morning, church. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. We're glad you're here at the Cathedral of the Rockies. It's great to have you here in this space or with us online. We're glad you're here. We will have communion later in the service. If you're at home, you can grab some elements so you can participate in communion together. If you're searching, you've been searching for a church home and you've stumbled upon us, we hope your search for a church home's over. And um, if you don't have a pastor, I'd be honored to serve as your pastor. So welcome home. We're glad you're here today. We're in an interesting space in a world that's struggling with multiple pandemics. You might be going, are you kidding? There's more than one. Well, we have clearly the pandemic of COVID-19, but we also have the pandemic of gun violence in our schools. It's just become normal. We have racism embedded even in our city of Boise as once again, folks, uh, the the memorial downtown, um, the Holocaust Memorial was defaced again. We have extreme politics in our world and we have friends on both sides and family members on both sides. We could keep going, the list of pandemics seems to get longer. In the midst of this Advent time, it seems right then that we would lean into the words we call the prayer of St. Francis. It's a familiar prayer. We'll put it up on the screen. And part of our week two of Advent is to lean into peace. So let's pray this prayer of St. Francis. Would you pray with me? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. The Hebrew word for peace is is bigger than we anticipate. It's the word shalom. And and the word shalom is not just the absence of conflict. It's not just the absence of war. But shalom, think of it like this. To live shalom is when we love God so much that what God wants for others just happens through us that it's a natural response. What God wants for others is our response to the world. So think of things like when we feed the hungry. We are instruments of God's peace, whether it's friendship feasts or our lunch bags. When we, when we give to love beyond borders, we're working to end the pandemic in the two-thirds world. We, we are doing the work of peace. 
when we partner with groups like Habitat for Humanity and we frame a house and one day that's the work of peace. When we do food boxes next weekend, next Saturday's our food box day. Check your email if you didn't find out about it and, and sign up. Maybe your family wants to come and say, we want to get a food box. We want to bu- fill it up. We want to deliver it. That's the work of peace. It was three years ago when we had done a, a food box morning on the second Saturday of December. Later that afternoon, I mean, within a couple hours of receiving a food box, I got this note. Pastor Dwayne, this morning there was a knock at my door. When I opened, I was surprised to see people with boxes full of food. I had completely forgotten that the social worker at my son's school had signed us up. It was much appreciated and and much a much-needed surprise. You see, our gross income does not allow us to qualify for food stamps, even though our net income's far below the poverty level. So most of our food comes from food banks. Some of the things you brought, we don't see too often, like milk, eggs, uh, butter, bread that's not already expired. So you can imagine, we are grateful. I have to tell you, my son's most excited about a can of uh, Nally's chili. It's his favorite thing in the whole world. So thank you from all three of us. Merry Christmas. So if you ever wonder, does it make a difference, this food box? It's an act of mercy. We recognize it it doesn't end hunger for, for very long, but it extends family's budget in the month of December. It extends peace in the month of December. Peace, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. And when we think of the Christmas story, it's got all kinds of moments of peace. We think of the star up in heaven, that's kind of a moment of peace. We think of the the holy family at the creche, that's a moment of peace. Maybe you think of Mother Mary saying, yes, yes, I will be open to the Holy Spirit working through me, a moment of peace. But today's text takes us to John the baptizer. And we don't usually, when we think of peace, think of John, the one who's in the wilderness shouting, repent, get ready, make way for the Lord. That's not, I mean, if you said, you know, I'm looking for a peaceful afternoon, you are not hoping someone shows up in your life and yells, repent. You're hoping nobody shows up and yells anything. But here's John the baptizer. Let me take you to the text. This is a gospel, Luke chapter three, verse one through four. It was the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. See, Luke's trying to say, this is a real event. He's given us a timestamp. This is real. He goes on to say, Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Herod. His brother Philip was ruler over Atria and Tricontus. Licinius, this is one of those texts you go, please don't ask me to read this in Bible study, right? (laughs) Licinius was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. And at this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Verse three, then John went from place to place, both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented from their sins and that they had turned to God to be forgiven. Now Luke goes on and he grabs a piece of the ancient text from Isaiah and he says, here's what John was saying. In the desert, someone is shouting, get ready, get the road ready for the Lord. Make straight path for him. 
Fill up every valley and every mountain and he'll straighten the crooked paths and smooth out the rough roads and then everyone will see the saving power of our God. Again, not quite the image of peace. Someone shouting. I mean, maybe the image that comes to your mind is when you're going across a campus and there's that preacher with their megaphone saying, you're going to hell. I mean, that's kind of what the image we get in our mind. And, that, and that's not usually, you don't usually walk away going, you know, I feel so much peace. <laughs> right? It's almost the opposite. It's tension. It's why does this person think I'm going to hell? Why does this person present the gospel this way? John's story is kind of a wild story. If we, if we back up in the, in the Gospel of Luke, you might remember his story. His dad, Zachariah, is a priest. His mother, mother's Elizabeth. And the scripture says they are blameless in the sight of God. That's a great description, isn't it? Blameless in the sight of God. And, and his dad is doing the priestly work. So a couple times a year as a, in the priestly tribe, he would be called to do work in the temple. He's in the temple. He's lighting candles, lighting incense. He's preparing worship. And as he's doing the priestly work, God shows up in the form of a messenger. I mean, the last thing we expect when we're doing church work is that God's going to show up. And God shows up and kind of breaks the routine, right? I mean, you're doing your prayers and God shows up. And the messenger from God says, God's going to answer your prayers. Wow. You've been praying for a child for a long time. And Elizabeth is going to have a child. You and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And Zechariah, the priest's response isn't, finally my prayers are answered, thanks be to God. His response is, you talking to me? I mean, we're old. And which I say these days means he's younger than me. All right. We're old. We're beyond childbearing. I mean, Zachariah's like, uh, are you sure? And the messenger, there's this weird moment where the messenger says, you know what? Because you're, you're, you're dancing around, you're not sure what's happening, you get the gift of silence from now until your child's born. I think there's a little bit of humor here because once the child's born, there's no more silence, right? There, so there's a little gift here, a little humor taking place. You get the gift of silence. It's the answer to some of your prayers, a silent preacher. You get the gift of silence. And then he has to come out of the temple, find his wife, and try to explain to her what's just happened without words, so he probably is pointing and gesturing. You know how you do when you're in a foreign country and you can't speak the language and you make signs when you want eggs or you know, you're, trying to, you're trying to communicate in such a way. So he probably looks at her and, and says, uh, you know, baby, you. And she's like, you think I'm fat? What? You know, he's got to explain to her in a way that she can hear God. God, no, no, God, God thinks I'm fat. No, God is doing something new. Wow. And you know the story, John's born, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they name him John. Then fast forward 30 years. Remember, John is Jesus' cousin. Fast forward 30 years, and John is doing what the prophets said he would do, what the messenger said he would do. He'll preach. 
He'll prepare the way for Jesus. So he's out in the desert preparing the way, and he says, the way to receive Jesus is repent. Wow. Now maybe we need to unpack repentance. Think of repentance like this. The Greek word's metanoia. It means change, change the way you think. Change the way that you live. Could it be that repentance and peace are connected? I mean, if you get nothing else today, I want you to get this. Change is a norm for a follower of Jesus. Paul, who's a follower of Jesus, he, he, he writes to the church in Rome these words, Romans chapter 12, verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. He says, this is repentance. This, this, this leads to peace. Now in the last series, we were working to ruthlessly eliminate hurry, and we said the core practices we see Jesus do, Sabbath, silence, simplicity, and slowing. And as we practice these things, as we, as we seek to get them normal into our life, there's peace. This is repentance. We're changing the way that we think. Let's fast forward a little bit. How does Jesus deal with repentance? We know how John does. John's in the desert going, repent. That's how John deals with repentance. How does Jesus deal with repentance? Same gospel, Luke chapter 19, verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town and there was a man there named Zacchaeus the chief tax collector in the region, he had become very rich. Now, Zacchaeus, although he's a religious person, he maybe hasn't really repented, we might say. He hasn't changed the way that he thinks. If shalom, if peace is loving God so much that what God wants for others happens through you, he's not living that as as a Jewish follower of God who's working with the occupying army. He's working with the enemy. He's working with the enemy. Kind of if you can't beat him, join him. He's working with the enemy and the way you work as a tax collector in that day is you not only collect taxes for Rome, but you collect taxes for yourself. You are given kind of a base rate. You gotta get this percentage and whatever you can get over that for yourself, you keep. You don't make a lot of friends this way. Zacchaeus and Jesus are in the same space. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He's heard this religious guy's coming to town. He wants to see him, and, and he tries to get ahead of the crowd, but, you know, the crowd's not real keen on Zacchaeus, right? It's like the enemy's present, and they want to see something, and we're just not going to make ourselves available. Maybe we're going to make ourselves bigger. We're going to stand in the way. We're not going to make it easy. And so Zacchaeus has to run ahead to the point where he climbs a tree, you might remember this, so that he can see Jesus. Jesus comes into town, and Jesus looks up in the tree, sees Zacchaeus, and he yells, repent. No. No, that is not how Jesus encounters him. He looks at Zacchaeus in the tree, and he says, get out of the tree. <laughs> I'm going to your house. We're gonna have lunch together. 
Let's have some time together. And immediately the crowd sees this interaction and because Jesus doesn't yell repent and sees a whole different way to do repentance, you know, the crowd's gonna tweet, not the real Messiah. You know, hashtag no, not holy, hashtag someone needs to repent. I mean, the crowd is not in this. What does repentance look like? Oh, I love the, that sound. You know, that's the sound of a healthy church. And so I just love that sound. And that might be a preacher, right? You heard that voice. What does repentance look like? I think repentance looks like a church that says, all means all. And, and, and not only says it, but then says, and let's put up a flag that makes sure people know they're welcome. And let's try to practice this in a way where everyone, everyone can serve. Repentance looks like a church that says, you know, we need to change the way we think. We once put up a, a stained glass window. The majority culture chose a stained glass window that didn't bother us, but now we understand it's no longer appropriate. We will remove it and we will put up another window that says all means all. And that's gonna happen this week. Yeah. Repentance. It looks like a church in the midst of a national conversation on abortion that says, what if? What if we were a place that dismantled systems of poverty? What if we were a church that removed the barriers to health care, especially for women? What if we were a people who, who fought for living wages and affordable child care? What, maybe there'd be no need for people to consider abortion. Is that not what repentance looks like? It brings peace. So Jesus and Zacchaeus are having lunch together. Luke doesn't give us the conversation. I wish he did. They have lunch together. So we just have to speculate. What do you think, what do you do when you have lunch? You talk about your life. How's it going? What's working for you? Where are you, where are you struggling? You talk about your life. And all we know is after lunch, Zacchaeus makes a pronouncement to Jesus. Here and now, Jesus, I'm giving half of everything I have to the poor. <laughs> That's changing the way you think. Wow. That's, that's repentance. That's peace. That's loving God so much that what God wants will happen through me. Here and now, I'll, I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. And then he adds, if I've cheated anyone, and I would, again, I would love to have this moment fully captured because I'm sure Jesus laughed. If you've cheated anyone, <laughs> you work for the enemy. If I've cheated anyone, he says, I'll pay back four times what I've taken. Now the law, the Levitical law, only demands you pay back double. He's willing, see, Repentance brings shalom. Peace wants you to go beyond what the norm is. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. 
So Jesus responds to this amazing pronouncement of Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorite lines of the scripture, Luke 19, verse nine. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to your home. Wow. Now that's a big church word, salvation. Today, Jesus says, completeness has come, wholeness has come to your home. Health has come to your home. Life has come to your home. Today, you are living a repentant life. A few years ago, my daughter Susanna was driving home for Christmas from University of Utah. She lived in Salt Lake, and she was coming up over Snowville, and front tire blows out. I get the call, you know, Dad, my front tire blew, and I'm like, honey, that's why you have AAA, right? This is like, you're a long way from here. That's why you have a AAA card. You call AAA. She calls AAA. She gets the, we'll be there in three hours, you know. Um, while she's waiting on the side of the road, um, I got to get the right name. C.J. Roberts stops. This man sees somebody stop, flashers on, stops, and just says, you need help? She says, yeah, front tire blue. He said, I, I can put your donut on. I can get you, you know, so you can get going. She said, that'd be great because it's going to be three hours otherwise maybe. And so he starts the process, jacks it up, can't get one of the lug nuts loose. He goes, not a problem. Friend of mine has a tow truck. I'll call him. We'll tow you the next place. We'll get the, we'll get the tire changed. Tows her to the next place, pulls in, changes the tire. He says, actually, I can't put a donut on your tire and send you to to Boise, you need front tires. So let me get your front tires. He buys two new front tires and says, now, Merry Christmas. Now, why, you might think, why would someone who's never met your daughter do that? I mean, what? That's because he's living a repentant life. He's living peace. And peace is to love God so much that what God wants for others happens through you. You recognize we're all connected. Everybody's a child of God. And so when you see a need, you say, God, how can you use me? He didn't ask for anything in return. He just sent her on his way, on her way. It's why we as a church build habitat homes. It's why we feed people every day of the week. It's why we seek to give away our Christmas Eve offering because we want to be instruments of peace. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Let me give you the action steps today. I mean, how do we, in our um, season of Advent, how do we live this? So a couple key words, serve, give, and grow. Serve. In your worship folder, there's a list of Christmas Eve services, and it takes a lot of people to make Christmas Eve happen. We, we start at 2, 2, 4, 5, 37, 9, 11 at this campus, and then there's two services at the Amity campus, and there's an Eve Eve, so the 23rd, if, you're, if that helps your family. What if you picked one of the services and said, we will serve at one, we'll be greeters, we'll be ushers, maybe we'll help with communion, and then we'll worship at another so that you can be the hands and feet of God and you can welcome others as they seek to connect with God. Here's another place, children's ministry. You know, with COVID, children's ministry, like everything else, shut down. And some of the folks who served in children's ministry said, I don't want to come back till all the kids can be vaccinated. So some folks haven't come back yet and we slowly are rebuilding the team. Do you know it takes almost 50 people to make children's ministry work every Sunday? 50 and we're, we're not there yet. 
And we want to reopen all of children's ministry, third and fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. We want to add all of it back at 10 o'clock. So what if you said, you know, well, I could do my part. Maybe you're good at rocking babies. You say, I, I can rock babies in the nursery. Sign me up for one Sunday a month. I could help kids in second grade. Where is it that God could use you? If you would just say yes and stop at the front desk, Pastor Stacy has a list. She'll contact you this week, listen for your gifts, and say, let's build this team so you're in a rotation once a month or a couple times a month to serve as the hands and feet of God. And then, of course, food boxes. This Saturday's our food box weekend. Come uh, sign up online, get a name. If you didn't know, how do I sign up? Go back and find your church email or email Pete. He'll uh, look for our, our missions director. Pete will help you get connected. Show up on Saturday. We'll give you a box, a name, and you get to be the one who delivers hope, peace. Give. Our Christmas Eve offering's coming up. You may know or may not know that we give away our Christmas Eve offering. We have three partners this, this year, Habitat for Humanity as we build affordable housing, Good Sam as we feed folks right here in our community, and Love Beyond Borders, which is ending the pandemic in the two-thirds world. If we don't deal with the whole world, the pandemic does not go away. It just, we just keep getting the next variant. And so if you and I can give a little money there and help, this is a partnership with UNICEF, you can read about it online, we can end the pandemic together. We've already raised in our partnership over $100,000. Our goal's a million. I don't think that's too much. I think we can do it. And then last, Grow, I invite you on Tuesday nights, you can join us for a Zoom Bible study wherever you are, locally or globally, you can join us 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Just email me, pastor at boisefumc.org, and we will send you the link. And then for about an hour on Tuesdays, we'll just do a little work preparing our hearts for Christmas. Pray with me. God, thank you for the privilege of worship today, and we just say, um, guide us, your people, on this Advent journey, this journey of repentance, that we might live hope, that we might live peace, that we might live joy, that we might live love. God, open our hearts to experience how the arrival of Christ makes all things new. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen.